Warm Hockey Podcast, episode 45 this week. Uh, we are Woo-hoo! officially back in studio. Uh, some shorter episodes in the past couple weeks. Um, poor, partly poor planning on, on, our, on our part, well, my part, as well as just life and busy schedules kind of keeps keeps things separate sometimes where you kind of just put in the best effort to coordinate and schedules just kind of get in the way, which is what happened at least one of the past couple weeks. So you and your, you know what you're, I think your priorities are all messed up. You're miss a couple episodes for stuff like fighting fires and saving lives and stuff. I don't get you. uh, Where's your, anyway. Well, for, for those listening, uh, like a like a fine gentleman that I work with at the department. For the clarity's sake, I am not the one fighting fires yet. So, <laughs> for the sake of being humble with it, for for Pat who's listening, I'm I'm not there yet. So, um, I am I'm passionate about it. I'm enjoying it, and I that's where I I find myself eager to be a lot of times is at the station in some form or fashion. So, um. You're a so high that's draft what, pick. You're, that's what I like to do. Um, you're going to get there. You're putting in the extra time. But I'm there. I'm there working out, training, and preparing to at to one day at one point, um, God willing, be able to be one of the ones that does actually fight a fire. You so there's we're not there. I'm not there yet. So we'll just we'll say that. Um, but yes, uh, this trade week episode, deadline. episode 45, uh, trade deadline, uh, we're going to start it off with, uh, like we do, normally do with headlines. Um, but the headlines this week are just going to be recaps, a quick hit on all the trades that happened. And then well, now we can, you ruined it. See, we, we could have sat here and said you, we could, we could say we're recording this before the deadline happened. And we could speculate then everybody who was going to get sent and someplace then be, would be 100% and right. bad bat a thousand. Yeah. Is that, is, is, <laughs> yes. Well, I ruined it. Now so you blew it. I blew it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so quick hits on each of the trades and then we can dive into um, into kind of the specifics and, and the consequences or the benefits of said trades. Uh, before anything, uh, head to Instagram. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Give us a, a like and a follow. War Room the Hockey Podcast. War Room uh, the Hockey Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and War uh, War Hockey on Twitter. Um, head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure you're subscribed and uh, leave a rating and a review if, if, if you are so inclined, preferably a five-star rating, and uh, settle in. Episode 45 this week on the trade deadline. Uh... First major trade that occurred, and we're this is going to be a quick hit before we really dive into it. Um, Blake Coleman from New Jersey to Tampa for Nolan Foot and a first round pick. Um, <clears throat> then we saw Tyler Toffoli head to Vancouver or for Tyler Madden, uh, 2022nd round pick, and Tim Schaller. Brendan Dillon to Washington uh, from San Jose for a 2022nd round pick. And a conditional third round pick in 2021. Marco Scandella to St. Louis from Montreal for a 2020 second round pick and a conditional fourth round pick in 21. Dylan DeMello to Winnipeg uh, from Ottawa uh, for a 2020 third round pick. Miko Rantanen out six to eight weeks with a. Uh, 
as we found out due to MRI, no, not a broken collarbone, which is a positive for the for the avalanche, um, but definitely out a few few weeks there. Um, Brock Besser fractured rib cartilage, six to eight weeks. Uh, Andres Janssen knee surgery, six months. That must be an ACL if it's six months. Alec Martinez to Vegas from LA for a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick. Max Verona to Toronto for um, Alex Lechuk and conditional sixth round pick in 21. Andre Kasha, favorite trade from our favorite goalie. Andre Kasha to Boston for David Backus. Axel Anderson in a first round pick. I had to I had to put a, a uh, an oven mitt on when I answered the text from him when that trade went down. My phone was nuked. A congrats to Alex Ovechkin on seven hundred goals. Yep. Pass me puck. I shoot. Uh, Ottawa trades Vladislav Nemesnikov to Colorado. That's a really good pickup for another one. Twenty for a twenty twenty one fourth round pick. Ilya Kovalchuk to Washington. From Montreal for a third round pick in twenty in twenty twenty this this coming uh, draft in Montreal. Mike Green to Edmonton from Detroit for Kyle Brodziak and a conditional draft pick in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Chris Kreider resigned seven years in New York. Vincent Trocheck to Carolina for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark. You two Lusterinen. <laughs> there, there you go. I butchered that name, I guarantee. And Jake Prisky, Chase Prisky. How about that? Detroit claimed um, Timoshev from, yeah. from Toronto. Thank you. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe to, to um, Pittsburgh for a 2021 third round pick. And Jean-Gabriel Pajot to the Islanders for a 2020 first-round pick, top three protected, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2022 third-round pick if new if the Islanders win the Cup. Yep. And how close did the Islanders, by the way, before I don't want to veer off topic, but the Islanders came within seconds, I think, of Zach signing Parisi. Zach Parisi, which would have been huge. Well, each uh, we, we can team. touch on that here in a minute, but yeah. each, as the one of the biggest, probably biggest trades that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but we'll touch more on it. But he and Andrew Ladd both waived their no move clauses to be traded, and then it didn't happen. So interesting there. Derek Forbert to Calgary for a 2020 fourth round pick. Tyler Ennis to Edmonton for a 2021 fifth round pick. Sammy Vatanen to Carolina. For uh, Frederick Clayson, Yane Kukaninen, and a 2020 conditional third or fourth round pick. Philadelphia gets Derek Grant from Anaheim for Kyle Crisculo and a 2020 fourth round pick. People love Derek Grant. I'm telling you, this is an underrated guy. Yep. He's a he's a uh, Matt Calvert kind of player. Mm-hmm. He's a real solid guy, an honest player. Anaheim picks up Sonny Milano from Columbus for Devin Shore. 
already. Vegas picks up Robin Lanner from Chicago for Malcolm Subban, Slava Demine, and a 2020 second-round pick. Eric Gustafson to Calgary from Chicago for a 2020 third-round pick. Toronto re-signs Jake Muzzin, extends him four years, $22.5 million. And then subsequently he's out, what, four weeks Just now. in time to be out for a month with a broken hand. Andreas Athanasiu to Edmonton with Ryan Kufner from Detroit. Might for, be the biggest sleeper trade of the day. For Sam Gagne, a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick. Boston picks up Nick Ritchie from Anaheim for Danton Heinen. That's actually an okay trade, though. If you... Yeah. They needed a little size in the uh, in the front end of that lineup, and, yeah. and I've always been a big fan of Nick Ritchie. And obviously, after the 3 o'clock deadline, there were a few smaller trades that trickled in, but those are the big ones throughout the day. I am choosing to not mention the other one that Colorado made that I am none too, well, not really unpleased with, but confused by, so I'm not going to mention that one. But... Um, well, I know I, I'll mention it. It's trade deadline topic today, so I'll mention it. But um, so yeah, that's all the trades. Um, I guess we can start with who we think is a, a winner and a loser from the deadline. Love what the Islanders did. Probably that's that's the one that jumps out at me. Uh, I think Pajot in that system is going to be fantastic. Actually, like what Edmonton did, uh, picking up Athanasiu and Ennis. Uh, Mike Green, some real good pieces there. Vancouver is um, is well built now, even with Besser out of the lineup. He'll be back for the playoffs, I think. But uh, Toffoli and Tanner Pearson together in that in that lineup, they've got some size. They've got Cabranson on the back end. They got puck skill. Uh, that's a that's a really sneaky well built team. I think Calgary bolstered itself a lot. Cabranson's uh, not there anymore. Oh, he's not. What? Ha- where did he's in Anaheim? Where did I miss? Oh, that's right. Never mind. Never he wasn't. Mind. He was in Anaheim. Okay, or at least he was. In, um, Reset recently. Yep. Uh, Bogosian's the one that tri- the, recently changed teams. Yeah, Bogosian. Uh, got away. That's a deal that uh, that Toronto definitely should have made, given their defensive injuries. Um, I like what Vegas did, and I like the Nemestikov pickup in Colorado. So there's a lot of people that really helped themselves. Washington. Got a little scary, and Tampa was busy. So, man, like these are these are teams that are going in right now. Uh, not a lot of huge moves, but definitely guys, uh, people who think they're going to win uh, and are prepared to win right now. Um, Winnipeg picking up Demello, that was a good move. Probably could have used another one. Uh, they're in a little bit of defensive situation, just like Toronto is. Yep. They're playing a they're playing at least five. AHL guys back there on any given night but that's part of it and there's a lot of talk right now about injuries and and I mean you you got it uh, there in Colorado with with Rantanen and 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 Kadri yeah Grubauer so but that's that's the way the system works and and this is where this is where guys get to step up this is where AHL guys get a chance to play meaningful minutes against Big time players every night. Hats off to Martin Cowett last night for his first NHL yep. goal. So good on him. He's put. Play, he's playing well for them. I like his game. He's proving. He's he's proving to be a guy that, um, in a year or two, when um, 
Belmar and these guys age out or leave, he's proven to be a guy that can be counted on in the lineup. So um, he may not project higher than second line, but he's he's going to be sturdy. I think he's gonna, I, you know I like his game all over the ice, and uh, like you said, a little maturity is going to help him. And everybody knows I've fallen in, I've fallen madly in love with Valerie Nichushkin. He's kids plus thirty. Yeah. So he's he's right up there with uh with Ryan Graves. I mean this guy you talk about rescued from the scrap heap. Good on him for that. I mean a 10 years after the draft and he's finally found his footing. Speaking of footing, uh Nolan Foot not a might not be a real good looking trade for him on the surface. He's going to get playing time in New Jersey. But though. he's actually going to get to play. Yep. And and how many years behind Behind guys like Taylor Radish, who still hasn't cracked that lineup, how many years would it be before you saw Nolan Foot? Exactly. In uh, other than a an eight minute role on the fourth line in Tampa, uh, going to New Jersey, he's going to be able to get himself in. Uh, he's going to be able to get himself some playing time and, and a lot of experience that he just would not get. He'd be in Syracuse for a long mm-hmm. time. Well, to me, lo- to me, losers um, at the trade deadline are the teams that stand pat. The team, well, the teams that stand pat, uh, the teams that should make a move to either um, push them over the edge or continue the rebuild process. Right. No, but, I... but choose to stand pat. To me, those are the teams to point out that that are losers. Um, teams, uh, but if but having like Nashville, but having faith in your team, right, and trusting who you have on the ice and not hemorrhaging your future doesn't make you a loser. That may actually makes you a winner at the trade deadline. Yeah. Look at uh, Dallas, Colorado, uh, St. Louis made a few small moves, the same way Colorado did, but they stood pat. These are teams that aren't hemorrhaging their long-term windows here for right. the sake of a big deal. So that a Ray Ferraro has a headline to, t- to talk about. So th- to me, to me, the winners of the deadline, are the Islanders, Colorado, Dallas? To me, those are the three main ones. Why would you? Why would you break up chemistry in the room? Why would you mess with that when clearly it works and you're ready to grind away in the playoffs? You're on top of the conference. Why would you fiddle with a it? loser at the deadline for me? Nashville. Yep. Um, Needed some help there. A not necessarily a loser, but a confusing one to me are the moves that Buffalo made. I was going to say that. Just why are they this thoroughly convinced they still have a chance? So they go out and add Wayne Simmons, thinking that that kind of grit might help push them over the edge. I mean, nothing against Wayne Simmons, but, but is that a move time, that Buffalo should be making at this time? So if that's the case. Why are they shipping out Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez, both of whom have been pretty effective for them? Why, how do you not need that depth? Uh, they brought in Cahoon and Simmons, which is fine. But if you're making that push, what's with getting rid of these guys? I mean, Cahoon for Sheary and, and Rodriguez looks like a move for the next two or three years, not now. But at the same time, these guys are, as of this recording, they're, I think, 10 points out of a wild card spot or eight. So, so here's, a, here's one that you might not think of as a big winner. Ottawa Senators have, I think, 14, 14 picks in this draft upcoming. So they're obviously not going to pick them all. They're probably going to turn them into prospects. 
Well, they'll they'll use them but as they'll use them as bar as, there'll be chips. as chips for as bargaining chips. But even so, let's say let's just say for fun that they just kept them all and they drafted fourteen guys in this draft. You're gonna have you're gonna have levels of them. Your your lower round guys you might not see for five years. Top they've got three potential picks in the top ten. Those three guys could all hit the roster between next year and the year after. So you add them to Dylan Cousins uh, and Tage Thompson and some guy, or not, I'm sorry, back to Buffalo. You add them to uh, Brady Kachuk and Tom Shabbat, and now all of a sudden you've got a good deal, but you can't, but you're never going to be in a position with all those picks that they're all, they're all going to hit entry level and then RFA at the same time because their development is going to be so spread out. Mm. Some of them you'll never see. Some will be five years. Some will be next year. But it's still, that's the way to make a rebuild. And they've got the, they've got the pieces to do it with now, both up front and on the back end. So I I, I like what they did. That's a good mention because that's a different, that's a, they're a winner at the deadline, but it's a different type of winner. There's different ways to pick winners. I'm going to have to start hating them again soon. soon Because they're, they're done stinking. They're going to be good. And Pierre Dorian, for all of his criticism, has has gone about this the right way. Yep. Objectively, here, let's look at this objectively. Um, that's not has, something we do very well. No, but I want to. I want it. That's something I want to do on at least on this one. Okay. Um, I'll have to reset. The, I, the we trade, need to go to commercial while I while I go to my objectivity. Yes. Let me find it. <laughs> find it in my tool bag here. I got it here someplace. Um, the trades that Edmonton make, yep, are they pieces that you can f- that were one were able to finally say Connor McDavid has somebody to play with? He's got support. Can we are we able to say that now objectively yes. that he's got some, at least some support? You you know, as a defenseman, that affords when, you the ability to have Drysital on a separate line and. If you can split them effective. up, except on the power play, yes. Athanasio is a he's a monster. He needed some. Athanasio is a guy who was floundering in Detroit. He's a potential thirty goal scorer, yep. playing with good guys. And Tyler Ennis is a very effective kid on the on the third or fourth line and as a penalty killer. Uh, Mike Green can play, and I'm telling you, this Edmonton team regardless of what you think of the personnel on paper, they have an X factor there is undeniable and it's Dave Tippett. Yep. He gets, he gets more, he can make a minus guys out of C pluses all day long. And he did it for years in Phoenix and he's going to do it in Edmonton. And so he's got that, he's got that bottom nine in Edmonton that he's going to get a lot out of. And he's got, Again, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. He's got Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse playing really well. Now he's got Mike Green that he can use on the power play. Gives him a whole different dimension. And I I like what they did. Maybe not. They think they're a contender. They may or may not be. We'll see when they get in the playoffs. Come, It'll come down to goaltending. Well, that's my other question is, is, did Edmonton, and this is where the objectivity comes in based on previous conversations we've had, has Edmonton at the deadline added the necessary pieces to be the catalyst that puts, because ultimately it's going to come down likely to Edmonton or probably Arizona for the, 
that Pacific playoff spot in the wild card or probably or at least third right um so in reference to to that situation because Tockett has Arizona playing tough hockey yep has Edmonton added the necessary pieces where if they get the proper goaltending they can be that team in the playoffs yes or instead of Arizona yes Here's here's why. Just mathematically speaking, right now, and I got to throw Nashville in there because they're probably the the best. They're they're in the best position to overtake either Phoenix or uh, Arizona or Edmonton or both because they have four games in hand right now. So Nashville does. They do. So Edmonton and Nashville are mathematically in the best position. It'll depend on health. It'll depend on goaltending, obviously. Those are the two factors that nobody can can predict. But uh, that uh, they're absolutely in, in a good position. And and Dave Tippett's got them playing an entirely different brand of hockey right now. He he's just that was a that was a brilliant hire. Yep. Um, the other, speaking of Nashville, the question that I want to um, get to is them standing pat at the deadline. And not being in the playoffs, does that hurt them? No. And or, you know, or have... based on what I, or based on my quote a few minutes ago, are they a team that are a bubble team right now, but they have faith in what they have? Correct. They are a bubble team, but they have faith in what they have. They've been a bubble team. They've been between struggling, flunking out, and making the playoffs all year long. They've been up and down. This is probably just as good of a chance for them to make it as when they were contending for the President's Trophy a couple of years ago. They're sturdy on defense. They're they're underachieving up front. Duchesne and Johansson, guys like that, they're not getting enough mileage out of them. Thank God for Grimaldi and and some of their role players that are really stepping forward. But this is a team that, based on goaltending, between Saros and and uh, Pekka, Pekka Pickle Peppers, there, there. This is a team that could be scary in the playoffs. They may not make it. I believe that they will be. And as we talked about before, I still think, all respect to Rick Tockett, I don't think Phoenix is going to make the playoffs. But that's it's going to be tough. Uh, Nashville will be a tough out. Well, you get to the playoffs. Anybody in the playoffs is is a tough out. Absolutely and right. And Columbus proved that last year against Tampa. Amen, brother. Right now, Nashville though is is step in step for that for a while. One of the last playoff spots, uh, right. With Winnipeg, and the Jets are you know. Whew. And to me, that's another one where where you have to ask yourself: Are they a loser at the deadline because they didn't do much? Now well, I say that. I say that fully aware that the Dustin Bufflin catastrophe yeah. has them hogtied a bit. And, what a shame. and when I say a bit, I mean like hogtied and thrown thrown over the fire. Yeah. They um well so so that's put that's a situation where I don't think yet, do they? Or do did they because they suspended him? As of right now, therefore they do they or do they not have his cap hit available to their disposal? I believe the—I don't think the suspension has been done away with as of this recording, but as far as I understand, 
uh, he is on LTIR, which does free up his space. Well, then to me, that, that creates a kind of a, a WTF moment at the fact that they didn't do much at the deadline. Understood. But that's, as we talked about prior to the deadline, that's Chevy's way. Chevy is a very True. conservative guy. True. And he's not a big wheeler dealer. And I, and honestly, if you, nobody knows at the deadline, you don't know if you're picking up an absolute dud or the guy who is going to come in as a Rob Blake many years ago and put you into the, uh, holding the Stanley cup. So we don't know that no one can ever know it, but the deadline can be a place like Christmas shopping on, on Christmas Eve. It, it, it can be a place where people hold you, hold you hostage. It can be a place where if you, you know, like Chevy is Chevy's drowning for defensemen. Everybody in the league knows it and everybody's waiting to throw him an anchor. So I kind of, I kind of don't blame him because you can really get yourself into horrible signings and they are, they're a bubble team, but they've just been decimated between Bufflin and injuries. Uh, it's, it's taken them from being a legitimate Stanley cup contender to right now out, out of the playoffs in just a couple of months. Well, before we dive into uh, the last half of all this, um, we're going to step away, take a, a quick break, um, and I'll let you guys hear about uh, a friend of the show uh, and a good sponsor to us. So we're on the Hockey Podcast, episode 45. We'll be back with you in just a moment. War Room, the Hockey Podcast, proud to partner and be sponsored by Ryan Walter at ryanwalter.com. Ryan Walter, leadership expert, team building expert, Stanley Cup winner, captain at every level, all around wonderful guy, rock solid player, rock solid citizen, and good friend of the show. RyanWalter.com for team building and leadership from your church, your corporation, your community. Uh, he's got the answers. And uh, please visit RyanWalter.com and tell him you heard it here. something that we could talk about for either something that could be dis- covered in two minutes or something that could take hours if we really wanted to several shows the effect that well the question of are we already seeing the seattle effect at this year's deadline is that something we're already st- st- seeing even if, even in minute detail ways yeah you absolutely guys i don't think there's anybody in the gm chair that is not forward thinking enough to be looking at their roster and looking at their protected guys and the ones that they want to leave unprotected for seattle uh it's only a year away so you have to start thinking that way your entry level guys uh your no move clauses all that's protected but you got to start thinking about that second goaltender you got to start thinking about your fourth or fifth defenseman and your seventh or eighth forwards. Absolutely. Got to think about Seattle right now. And I'm sure everybody is. 
It didn't come up at the deadline. Nobody mentioned it. It but didn't, but that's why I ask. Is it something that, just looking at the types of moves that certain teams made, is it something we're already starting to see, or is it something that we aren't seeing yet, but we will come draft and free agency and even trade deadline next season? The only guy in the league who's not thinking about it is McCrimmon in Las Vegas. That drives me crazy. Because <laughs> he doesn't have that to. drives me crazy they're that, they're, that they're exempt from that. It <laughs> baffles me. Um, so, but, okay. Before you ask yours. Sorry to I'd, put you in a tailspin here. I want to speak personally about the elephant in the room. The Colorado Avalanche... Michael Hutchison trade. <laughs> I I want to do this partly because partly because I want to let anybody listening know my thoughts on it, but I also want to try and gain some clarity some more clarity myself. The you, I, I, listen, I let me try to put your anxiety to rest here. Mike Hutchison is a great guy. He had a pretty good run in in Winnipeg a couple of years ago has fallen on some real hard times in Toronto. I heard Kyle Dubas talking about him and that trade or the, the signing with, uh, with Joe Sackick. You, I trust Joe Sackick a lot over the last few years. He's made almost everything he's touched has turned to gold. I don't believe he has any plans to use Michael Hutchinson in any meaningful capacity, but right now with Gruby out, he looks pretty smart. Well, uh, okay, I I agree with it. It's a depth. It's a depth move. Knowing very well he's not going to be one of your NHL guys. Right. That's Grubauer and Francos. That and the way Francos is playing right now, that's he's no matter what any supposed expert says, he's a beauty. Yep. And he's playing on his head, and he's proving to be a guy that can be counted on to win you tight, close knit games. If, if and clearly when Grubauer goes down. He right now, Francois reminds me of Bernier a year or two ago when Varley went down and Bernier won ten in a row and just rock solid. Rock solid. Yep. So Grubauer and Francois are your guys. I never once for a, th- a second thought when H- Hutchinson was brought in that he was going to be a guy that bumps either one of those two hey. out of the NHL. No plans. Never once. Him. Never once thought that. At first, when I saw it, I, w- I based on his play in Toronto, I was confused. I was angry. <laughs> I was uh, several different things. But then I th- started thinking about it. And this is for the listeners, as well as for myself. Um, Toronto does things to players. That, that m- fire spotlight and that type of pressure, seriously, in Toronto... Mm-hmm. Can eat you alive if you're not built for it. Yep. And take this for example. We have yet to see. I think it's safe to say, which makes me nervous. I think it's safe to say here, on the uh, in, down the stretch here, that Hutchison gets a game in Colorado before Grubauer comes back. Maybe, maybe not. Depending on the backup, back-to-back sure. situations or anything like that. What I'm curious to see if that happens is simply how he plays. Because one thing I'm curious about, and I won't guarantee, but 
I'm going to take a guess at is that the Toronto media and the, and all the emphasis on Toronto, that's a lot of pressure. And if you start to have a, some bad games, it's amplified. I view it, I view it, I view Toronto in a, the way media kind of does things. Yep. Media plays, right? Like normal media play, it plays on fear. The fear that there's more violence out there than there actually is. The fear that these things happen more often than not. The fear right. that you're going to, you're going to be assaulted by a guy in a trench coat behind a, <laughs> around a corner. They play on the fear, right? And I think, I, I think not that the Toronto media intended to, but I think a mixture of things took group, Gruber took Hutchison having mediocre performances and amplified it to the point where that's all you see when you turn on TSN. That's all you see when you turn on Sportsnet. That's all you hear about. It's all this and that. So now whenever you think of Hutchison, well, he's shit. He can't win games. He can't stop pucks. And so what I'm curious to see if he gets a game here down the stretch before Grubauer returns is what coming to Colorado, a ghost town, if you will, in terms of hockey media, what that does to Hutchinson's game in terms of his stress levels, in terms of his ability to just play. Let me throw it at you. Look at Nichushkin, for example. Yeah. Dallas is in no way a pressure cooker of of a hockey city, but... Nichushkin is drafted as what fourth overall or whatever he was in yep. his draft year. I think ninth or tenth, maybe. Um, and Nichushkin is a big-bodied guy coming into Dallas, and he's supposed to be along with Sagan and Ben, your guy. It doesn't work out. That's pressure on a young kid to be any in any city to be like, well, shit. I'm counted on to put in twenty-five goals. I'm counted on to do this, and now I'm not, and ooh, I'm letting people down. What's going to happen? Nichushkin coming into Colorado on a minimum contract, one-year deal. He's a freebie. That that lets him, and you watch him play, that lets him, as you've seen, loosen the grip on the stick and just go out and play. And he's got 14 goals. Yeah, he's on 14 goals and 19 and 19 or and he's plus or 30. 25 at 20 20 assists something like that and yeah. and he's plus 30. So my point is I I think n- we don't give enough credit to the stress and pressure that certain cities or organizations oh. provide on players. There's no question. And spe- and even more so in goal than anywhere else. Well, ab- absolutely. You can have a you can have a terrible night as a third line left winger and you can get away with it. You can get away with it for two or three years. And I could read you off a bunch of examples of that. And as a result, Hutchison but, was vilified in Toronto oh. as a guy who wasn't helping the team win, wasn't getting it done. But it was a situation on this topic where I think not only did he need to change his scenery, but he needed out of that pressure cooker. He was playing for his life. He needed out of the pressure cooker to know that, you know what, my my entire hockey career isn't really on the line here. Yeah. 
whether I'm AHL or NHL, I'm still going to play. He's an AHL All-Star. He's a, two years removed from being an AHL All-Star and winning the Marlies. How many games? No, that, w- that was Sparks. But winning how many games and, and taking the Marlies on deep runs in the playoffs. Yeah. He's, listen, this, is, I, this is a guy who can play. He can play. And I have, I, I have a prediction and I have a piece of news. So the prediction is Hutchinson will get a game, maybe two, in Colorado, and he'll be great. If not outstanding, he'll win. He might win four to three, but he'll he'll win a game in Colorado before Gruby gets back. He'll get a chance, but more than that, he's going to get an opportunity to play and make an AHL paycheck in Colorado, and he was not going to get that done in Toronto. And here's the here's the news for you. That's the prediction. He'll be fine because he'll play with no pressure. He'll be playing relaxed and he'll be just playing a hockey game instead of thinking that his life is on the line like in Toronto. But the observation that a lot of people may or may not know is Kyle Dubas did this for Mike Hutchison. He was not going to play even with the Marlies anymore. So Michael Hutchinson was either headed for the coast or Europe somewhere or Europe or the unemployment line. Yep. So with with Ian Scott and Joe Wall and Cascasuo in the minors behind him, that's who they need to develop, not Michael Hutchinson. Sackick probably I, I'm betting anything that Sackick said, I'll take him because he'll earn a paycheck for us in in the AHL. And he might get a game or two up here with us if somebody gets hurt. And he might even get a game or two next year. Hmm. But he will at least be playing. Yep. So that's the story behind him. And and it's the this is the this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. You remember when everybody in the league wanted to play in Detroit? Mm-hmm. It was because of the way Kenny Holland treated him. And you get a reputation as a GM, as a guy who will say, You're not gonna play here. I'm going to move you someplace. I know you don't necessarily want to be traded, but here's a here's a chance for you to play. And you're not going to get that chance here, but I'm going to ship you off someplace that you really may or may not want to go, but if you care about your career, they're going to give you an opportunity. And when you get a reputation that way, then guys will I don't necessarily know how much it would quantify to as a haircut on your salary. But guys will want to play with you because you're treating them with respect. And that's uh, that's exactly what happened here. And Dubas, Dubas even talked about it after the deal was made. So is that something that can change? Is it is it just a necessary evil that comes with a place like Toronto, that pressure and, and everything? Or is that something that is man, man-made and can be changed? No, it can't be changed because it's uh, it's millions of fans. And I say that rhetorically knowing, knowing kind of knowing the answer. But yeah, you've got, I don't know how many Because I guarantee you there's somebody out there that that is thinking that rhetorical question. Sure. Well, is, is it, you got to stop it then. Oh, you don't do this. Don't put the pressure. Right. And so the rhetorical question is, is it man-made? Can it be stopped? Knowing very well that it, it just can't. Well, for a long time, 20 years ago or so, Montreal was that way, only worse. Because they won so many cups for so many years. They won generations worth of 24 Stanley Cups. And all of a sudden, they put eight or 10 years together where they didn't win a cup, didn't always make the playoffs, didn't always look very good. And there was just, there were people jumping out of windows. So 
they've now settled into Montreal being a little bit less of a pressure cooker for guys because they know it, now there's 32 teams, not six. You're not going to win a cup every year. So you can't really change that because you have social media. You've got millions of fans in Toronto and all over the country, all over the world. And you've got how many radio talk shows and sports channels and stuff trying to fill airtime and they grind on details there like you can't imagine. They, they'll create a three-hour radio show out of something that is such an afterthought that it shouldn't even be mentioned in the car between two guys going out to have a beer, much less spend hours on, on television or radio. But that's the way that market works, and the fans feed it, and it's not going to change. So you got to be a special cat to play there. You got to be able to shrug that off. You got to put the social media away, not pick up the newspaper, not turn on the television, and not worry about it. Just go out and play hockey. If you can do that, you'll thrive there and you'll get paid well and treated well. If you can't do that, you're going to you're going to break your stick in half every time something goes wrong. Yeah. So, something to talk about real quick. Okay. Um is there a guy at the trade deadline that you're surprised wasn't moved or, or a, a, let's change it, a team or a player, a player you were surprised wasn't moved or a team you were surprised didn't do anything or didn't do as much as you thought they would. For me, it's a team, it's a team like it's hard to avoid a team like Nashville in, in regards to that. Yeah. I, in a way, you want to say this is a team that needed to do something, but they're also a little strapped. And I'm, if honestly, if I'm David Poyle, I'm thinking I got the horses to win here. These guys just, they just need the whip taken to them a little bit. Something, somebody in that room has got to light the fuse under this team because they are way better than a team that is now easily outside the playoffs. Uh, except they've got a few games in hand. So somebody's got to get that team by the throat, and it probably comes from inside that room. How that works, I don't know, but that's something that only the players, not even the coaching staff, will know where that's going to come from. Yeah. I guess there are some guys around that everybody thought was going to move. Uh, I know we thought Tyson Berry was going to move. Uh didn't happen and probably just as well. I know the ask was uh, a first round pick and a prospect for a rental. So he didn't go. Um, I just, I think there are, it became real apparent. And again, I, you can, you can say what you want about the deadline. Sometimes you make that deal that if you win, it was a genius move. If you don't win, it was a waste of time and cap space. There, there are obviously a lot of teams that believe they can win right now, this year. And as, the, as they emerged in the East, Tampa was busy. They think they're going to win right now. Same with Pittsburgh. Same with the Islanders. Same with Washington. Obviously, Boston picking up Richie. And I believe the Flyers think that they can win this year. So that's, a, that's a, what, two, four, six teams in the East alone that believe they are legitimate cup contenders this year, and they were willing to make the moves to do that. The teams stuck in the middle in the East, 
I, I think probably Carolina thinks they can win. They don't have the goaltending for it, and they, they didn't make a goaltending move at the deadline, which surprised me. Because that, to me, that was a surprise. The Morassic injury, uh, this is Morassic and Reimer down. They've got two AHL goaltenders now that they're riding in to try to make a playoff run. They think they can win. They can't. Uh, the Rangers are a surprise, but they're in the middle. Florida is stuck in neutral. Uh, Columbus, God love them for trying. They they don't have it. And I, I don't believe for a minute in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, on the bottom end, looking up and trying to figure out how to rebuild as quickly as possible, you've got Montreal, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and New Jersey. And that's that's the East for you. Um, in the West, you know who's the, you know who the contenders are there. You watch the West more than I do. That's Colorado, St. Louis, and Dallas first and foremost. The the Vancouver Canucks are a real sleeper for me out west. That that's a team that has quietly been playing really hard for Travis Green. They've made some great moves uh, by Benning, and that's a roster that is big and heavy and skilled. And that's a great combination. They've been getting good goaltending. So they're a team that believes they can win right now, and and they may or may not. The West is a little bit softer this year than we've seen it in the past. It is. Edmonton and Calgary, I would have to put Vegas amongst the contenders. They've won, what, seven or eight in a row right now, and they shored up some goaltending issues with Leonard. I think you've seen the last of Malcolm Subban, but... Oh yeah, he was shipped to Chicago. Yeah, and I and I don't think uh, we we've talked about Malcolm Subban. I don't know him as a guy. Don't mean anything personal about him, but I don't believe he was ever an NHL quality goaltender. And and that's you know we talked about that as much as a year ago. Edmonton, Calgary, um, maybe bubble, maybe scare the heck out of people come playoff time. Maybe make one of those magic Cinderella runs. Uh, and if you've got guys like. McDavid and Dreisaitl in the lineup, and you've got goaltending like maybe Dave Riddick in, in Calgary can get hot, obviously. Uh, Goudreau needs to pick it up, and Monaghan, Giordano gets healthy. Those are two teams that might really scare the daylights out of guys in the West. Yep. Then the, then you've got the middling guys in the West, which uh, are Chicago, Arizona, Winnipeg, and Nashville. Uh, I don't believe in any of those guys right now until proven otherwise. And then L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Minnesota, trying to figure out how to get, you know, how to get everything put back together. Remember when West Coast trips used to be a disaster? You'd go out west and play the Kings, the Ducks, and it was Death the Valley Sharks. out there for teams. I mean, it was yeah, like it was routinely you go east to west and go and get skunked, go over three, and now it's where you go to fatten up. Yep. But no, I, I agree. It's, it, it's, I mean, every team goes through it. So it is what it is, but, um, they're, they're, they're all go- three going through the growing pains now where, and I think, um, I think Anaheim's probably a step ahead of San Jose and LA in that process. I think Anaheim's probably the team you're going to see get back to prominence first. Yeah. Um, but there, that's, that used to be executioner's row when you, yeah. when teams would make that California trip. Oh. 
They were you, so you big were, and you so were, nasty. You were blessed if you got out of California with Come up three with a, points. A couple overtime you, losses. I mean, if you were, you were blessed if you came out five hundred. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's that was at that time just how many years ago type of recent that was considered a good road trip if you came out of California with a 500, 500 Absolutely. outcome. Three uh, of six points, 500 outcome. That was considered a successful road trip because you, you battled out some points. But LA, LA won two cups not, not too long ago within the last, what, 10 years. Uh, Anaheim won that division like seven years in a row. And the Sharks were a perennial contender. They were they were just uh, yeah, like you said, it was a murderous row out there. And now it's a place to place to get healthy. Discussion wise, here's what I want. Here's what we're gonna do. I want to discuss um, four teams. Okay. Four teams each. Two from each conference. Okay. This is something that I wanted. I would take pride in in having in having that split, that equal split. Um, that where we pick two teams from each conference that we think is the favorites to win the cup. Okay. F- first, I want let's I want to just go into our mind b- back in our mind files, if you will, before the deadline, who those teams were. And then after the trade deadline, based on the moves made, are any of those teams different? Mine didn't change. For me, in the West, St. Louis, and probably Dallas. That was identical to mine. In Much the, as I would love to in say, the I love the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. I, right now, and I'll go, I'll go out on a limb here. I was going to do this today anyway. My... My team that nobody saw coming is the Dallas Stars. For me in the East, before the deadline, it was Tampa and it was Washington. Pretty hard to argue. After the deadline. After the trade deadline, for me, it's St. Louis. And since we're only doing two. Are you out west now? I'm in the west. For okay. me, it's St. Louis. St. Louis. This and is after the trade deadline. Oh, okay. It's St. Louis and probably still Dallas. Yeah. Um, it's hard to argue with Dallas until we see them in the playoffs and we see if Bishop and Hudobin can hold up. For me, that's the biggest question with Dallas more so than anything else and more so than, say, Colorado, and Colorado has an injury problem with their goalie. For me, Dallas's goaltending is a bigger question mark than, than say, Colorado's, just because, to this point, Hudobin is not a proven starter. He can win you one or two games, but he's not a guy that can take you if he needs you, if he needs to. And Bishop has proven in the past that he's quite soft come come playoff time just fragile and, and so, so to me if there's something that makes Dallas a question mark that makes me go against my own rule of picking two teams and maybe do a, a forward slash and do St. Louis and Dallas forward slash Colorado it's Dallas's 
question mark of whether their goaltending can hold up through the playoffs. You're listen. You you can say it a hundred different ways. No matter what happens with the sixteen teams that qualify, regardless of what happens, it will at least 10 or 11 of them could easily win a cup. And I don't mean it's easy. I mean, they could win a cup without somebody saying, oh my gosh, where did that come from? It always, always, always comes down to goaltending and health. It might be Antti Niemi that wins the cup for you. It could be your backup goalie and your third line. Uh, Like, uh, like Sammy Paulson and and Niedermeyer did in Anaheim a few years ago. It could be anything, but you got to stay healthy and you got to get goaltending. And that's those are the things you can't predict. Right now there's there are as we've just said, there are at least a half dozen teams in each conference that believe they can win and they're probably right. Yeah. So the, fa- like the favorites the at the after the deadline in the East. Tampa they're they're doing what they didn't do last year for me, and that is down the stretch, they're playing meaningful hockey. And they're they're they've faced enough adversity through a slow start, through certain injuries through the season, where now you can say they're battle tested. So for me, it's Tampa and after the deadline, Pittsburgh. I've got Pittsburgh in there for sure. Z- the Zucker is playing lights out with Crosby. Yeah. And the addition of veteran leadership like Marlowe and Crosby himself. Crosby, Crosby had, what, has 18 points in like seven games or something like that? I mean, Crosby himself. So to me, and Pittsburgh went, went what, like 28-3 and in 31-game stretch? Yeah. I mean... To me, they're. To me, they are. They got two-headed goaltending strength. After the deadline, they are the team to beat in the East, right up there with Tampa. I, I would say they're actually perfectly three deep in goal, because Casey DeSmith will not see the net unless somebody gets hurt. But I, I don't think anybody would be concerned about playing a playoff game with Casey, Casey DeSmith in net. Agreed. I got. I've got Pittsburgh in there for sure, and I. Uh, it galls me to say this, but I got the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I mean, and, can't and go wrong with picking them. So, If for no other reason, it's not because they're in first place, but they've gotten goaltending, they've got depth, they've got consistency. That is the most consistent team in the league for the last five or six years, Boston Bruins. So I like the way they play. Nobody can seem to shut that down. Like I said, it really irritates me to say it, but I like their battle readiness better than Tampa. And if everything holds serve, that's a second round matchup. Tampa, Boston. Tampa, Boston. And I would take Boston. So I I would have Pittsburgh and Boston coming out of the East and Dallas, St. Louis coming out of the West. Although the matchup wise, uh, bracket wise, Dallas and Colorado would play in the first round. Yeah. Wow. It's, so so it, either way, and this this could be a discussion based on how we feel about the playoff system. That's exactly what but I was going to say. The question now, my, and again, I'll, I'll touch on this because I again, like we talked about before we hit record, I don't want to bounce around too much. So I'll touch on it, and then that'll be it. I don't want to go into too much detail. But for me, I'm f- split on how I feel about it. At the end of the day, 
we now live in the hockey world where anybody, no matter your seating, can win a Stanley Cup. Right. So at that point, does it really matter if it's the system we have now or the system it was when one plays eight and two plays seven? However, I can also see it from both. What I mean is I can see from both sides the perspective where, however, you get matchups like Dallas and Colorado in the first round where one of those two teams that you could say is a cup favorite, not just a contender, along with St. Louis, will be eliminated in mid-April type of thing. So I can see it from the perspective of wanting to have it in in a way where those teams play in the conference final type of scenario not a first round right but but my point is as overly simplistic as it may be is that we're now in a world where there's not really much separation anymore come playoff time of who the favorite might be exactly and st louis is a prime example of that last year while they played tremendous being in last place in January when they made the playoffs, could anybody, anybody, no matter where they, what seed they were, could anybody have predicted they'd win the cup? Yeah. So, we're we're in a world where anybody can beat anybody, and I think it officially started in 2012, when LA when the Kings, squeaked in when the Kings squeaked into yeah. the playoffs on the final day of the regular season from by the wild one card. point in in the eighth seed yeah. wild card and won the Stanley Cup. Right. And I think that's when it transitioned into there's not much separation anymore, especially come playoff time between seeding and who might be a a cup favorite. Absolutely right. So, and I don't think you can ever make it completely fair. One eight two seven three six. That's year in and year out. That gives you the best look. That eliminates the possibility that two teams that could easily win a Stanley Cup like Dallas and Colorado, one of them is going to flunk out in the first two weeks. That, to me, I don't care for that. Mm -hmm. But it was set up so that rivalries would be put together because that's where rivalries come from is the well, playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's set up that's why in, Washington, Pittsburgh every year. It's set up in division now, the current right. playoff system to where now you're going to play within the division first. Right. Um, and that's where good rivalries and, and a lot of fan interest and player hate and everything else comes from, which is fine. I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be overhauled. I wouldn't argue with it if they, if they went to a one versus eight format on, on both conferences wouldn't bother me. I don't think it would affect travel much. But, for, sh- for shits and giggles, I want, let's go through the matchups if it was a one-versus-eight scenario. Okay. Right now, Boston would play Carolina. One-versus-eight. Yep. Two-versus-seven would be Tampa and Columbus. Okay. Which would be an interesting matchup based off of last year. Sure. Three-versus-six would be Washington and the Islanders. Okay. And four-versus-five would be Pittsburgh-Philly. Yeah. See, and that there's that's perfectly sound. And that's the that's west the in the or that's the east yeah. in the west. One verse eight would be St. Louis and Nashville. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Two verse seven would be Colorado Calgary. Ooh, again. Three verse six would be Dallas and Edmonton. And four verse five would be Vegas and Vancouver. If you're going the one verse eight style yeah. per conference. Um, now 
in comparison, let's look at it right now. In wild cards format, which is how they have it. Washington, or sorry, Boston being the number one seed in the East, would play Columbus as the second wild card. This is this is how it's set up today. This is how it's right. set up today. Okay. Boston would play Columbus because right. Columbus is second wild card. Boston's number one in the East. Washington, number one in the Metro, but second in the in the East would play the Islanders right. as the first wild card. Then you would then go two three from each con- from each uh, division. So it would be Pittsburgh Philly in the in the Metro, and Tampa Toronto. Tampa Toronto in yep. in the Atlantic, and that's the East. In the West, it would be um, St. Louis is your number one Western team. They're first in the Central. They'd play Nashville, second wild card if it started today. Playoffs started today. Vegas being your number one in the Pacific would play, but second in the West. Well, not second in the West, but in, in first in their division would play the first wild card, and that would be Calgary. Okay. Then it would be again two three based on division. So right. Vancouver would play Edmonton. Colorado would play Dallas. And that's how it's set up now. Now that's there's with uh, eighteen games left, twenty games left. There's still some moving that can be done. Colorado is three points back of St. Louis for first. One point up on Dallas. Um, Vegas is four points up on Vancouver. Vancouver's tied with Edmonton for second or third in, the, in there. And Calgary is two points up on Nashville for first wild card. And Nashville and Winnipeg are tied for the second wild card with 70 points, with, along with Arizona at 70 points. And Minnesota has 67 points, three points back of a, of a wild card. So there's movement that can be done. But if, as of today, as of right now, that's that would be the matchups. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And and really, uh, if you if you think back of the matchups you just listed, if it was one versus eight, uh, ver, uh, as opposed to the way it is today, half of them were the same. A good number of them were just the same. Yeah. So it's not exactly broken the way it is. I get why they they set it up this way. It, it's okay. I I think the the fairness would be more year on year universal if it was one eight two seven. I have to before we uh, before we stop all this fun. Uh, I gotta, you know, you know me. I'm always looking for an opportunity to admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> You're about to mention Arizona or something. No, aren't no, you? no. Well, no, because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to. I'll bet you five bucks that you made a bad bet on that, but that's up to you. Uh, so I made a bad bet, but I'm going to bet again. <laughs> is that, is that it? <laughs> I I gave the New York Rangers not a prayer at the beginning of the year. I remember our prediction show, and I didn't give them any hope of being anywhere but a lottery team. And they're like two or three points out of a playoff spot right now. Wait, who, and who, who is The that? New York Rangers. New York Rangers. And so... You could say you know, the same about at, Minnesota. Yeah, I know. I And I had smoke and mirrors there. I don't know how they're doing it. But Zabinajad in New York is having a monster year. He is a bona fide top-line player. They have put together... They've got... They've got expendable goaltenders. They've got three good goaltenders, one of which is hurt, but they're they're really sturdy. Uh, they've just been 
you know, and they're getting mileage out of guys like uh, D'Angelo and Adam Fox and guys like that. I mean, good on Jeff Gordon for putting that deal together and making it work. Uh, so that's, you know, but I'm, you know me. I'm a man of the people. I'm always looking for an opportunity to, to step in. Well, what are we looking forward to this coming week? Well, we have a, are we going to have a, uh, we're going to have a format change or a form, format adjustment? It's in the works. Um, two episodes a week, probably, of um, to kind of clean things up and keep things a little separate. Yeah. So, But it's in the works. So. Well, our, we, we do a lot of developmental hockey stuff, a lot of minor hockey and junior and, and uh, you know, even minor league stuff. Uh, and to keep that separate from the NHL, keep the keep the uh, agenda a little bit more segregated, a little more clean. That's, um, I think that's going to be a good move. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun. Play it. And as we mention it, um, keep things separate. It's in the works. So we can still mention it right now. Uh, Playoffs are starting in the BCHL. Um, This tomorrow, I think is start around this weekend. Um, This weekend. Um, Playoffs are getting to the point of beginning in the WHL. And we are to the point now, end of February going into March, the closing of the regular season for NCAA, heading into their conference tournaments as they fight for the um, Frozen Four, for bids into the Frozen Four. So that's that's beginning, so that's something to look forward to as well. But uh, look for that in coming weeks. Um, we'll sort out the details as when we want to start doing, doing the separation, but uh, look for that in the coming weeks. Um, Thank you all for tuning in. Listeners of the driving force behind what we do. Head to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's at War on the Hockey Podcast, War on the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Give us a like and a follow. Uh, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate and review, share with family and friends. Continue to help us grow, and uh, we appreciate your love for this and for continuing to uh, tune in and support um, it's something we don't take lightly. We greatly appreciate it. We look forward uh, to hearing from you too. Yeah. If you've uh, got questions and comments, questions, and comments, and, uh, messages, anything, write in. Uh, we read. Uh, John Leahy is the most active guy that does it. He knows that we do respond within a reasonable amount of time, and we do mention it on the show when we can. So uh, feel free to uh, communicate with us and engage with us. I'm, so I, I'm I am willing to ignore any criticism that you want to bring us. Uh, I'm I'm always exactly. open. I'm willing to, to ignore it. Yep, I'm absolutely willing to hit delete with you can anything write it you want to send, and I'm very willing to just <laughs> put it in the trash. Um, but we've it, also have a we've got a developmental pro, uh, segment coming up too next week. So, yes, we do. Um, that'll be fun. I, I look forward to that. So for uh, young coaches, if you've got kids in minor hockey, if you're uh, a coach in minor hockey, experienced or otherwise. Um, we hope to offer some pointers, and and uh, as we've learned as coaches over the years, there's no place that you can't learn from. Absolutely. So, and unfortunately, there's as we've mentioned, and beat we beat that horse to death. But yeah. as we've mentioned, there are these certain air air quotes being used here. Coaches <laughs> that um, feel that they have nothing to learn and are above everybody else. And, uh, but anyways, but anyways, that uh, you know, goes with your point. So we're going to be, we're accused of abusing a corpse if we keep that up. Oh, I agreed. But for the sake of context, from what you said, it needed to be mentioned. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your patience over the, um, 
the past few weeks, the past few months, as we've uh, um, kind of been a little inconsistent with um, with things that uh, as priorities shift week to week and and day to day. So we underwent a we underwent a bit of a rebuild this year. We did getting Louis, you know, getting rid of Louis and and having on again, off again, goaltender consultant uh, in studio with us and and things like that. So. Uh, we appreciate the fan support and the patience. Keep the, the support, the patience, the uh, continued listenership. We we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, sure do. I'm Thanks Evan Rower. the fun with us. I'm Evan Rower with Warm the Hockey Podcast, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers, everybody.